Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Hmm. Today is Friday, July 5th, and even more salient, it is the one-year anniversary of this podcast. Yeah, pretty exciting. Um, actually, kind of amazing, too. I can't believe it's already been a full year that I've been doing this since uh, Nathan Lowell got me thinking that it would be a good idea. So, and this is definitely Great Barber time of year. I know that that's where I started out podcasting. And here are the little Choya bombs that the pack rat leaves for me under the table to try to, it gathers up Choya burrs and tries to, and lays them in strategic locations, bundles them up together. I don't know if it's on purpose, it's like with fur and stuff too, and leaves them here to try to discourage me from using this table, this great arbor. It's a territorial battle that, uh, well, frankly, I win, right? <laughs> I have not yet brought myself to wanting to get rid of the pack rat. I know I am such a softie, but the little morning choya burrs I know were an original feature of this podcast. So I suppose it's uh, meat that it, it continues to be. A feature and not a bug. Oh, we've missed one. This one's sort of caught up in cotton stolen from one of my uh, patio chair cushions. That's nice. It's like the double whammy. I'm going to steal your stuff and use it to make weapons against you. Huh. So I feel like I probably should have had a plan for the podcast when your anniversary, except, you know, the whole not having a plan is really very much on brand for Jeffy's <laughs> first cup of coffee. If you like those podcasts where um, people have very clearly laid out plans, then you will probably not like this podcast. I was talking with this guy a little while back who was talking about starting up a podcast and he was hiring actors for it and they were going to be acting out a book of something uh, science fiction one of his books and he was describing it to me and he didn't know me very well I mean we only just met and he said well he says it's not going to be just one of those talking head podcasts you know where people just ramble on about whatever and I was thinking oh yeah that's pretty much mine <laughs> but you know hey so I've been thinking back to what I was planning when I first started this podcast. Um, I, as I said, I was inspired by Nathan, who does his um, talking on my morning walk. And his is about the same length, because his walk takes about 20 minutes, and he just talks about where he's at in his life. And that's what I've been doing, too. I know I've delved some more into um, things about the industry and... I think over time it's morphed into being a bit more about 
writing in general, which is, of course, one of the primary things I think about, writing and its uh, concurrent business. I was thinking, trying to think of a better word than that. It's funny to look at my original keywords, you know, because I was talking about fitness then, since fitness and weight loss seems to be a perennial component of my life. <laughs> and I, do, I, I started out like giving my weight and everything, and I stopped doing that. And I kind of moved away from reporting in on fitness stuff. I'm trying to reevaluate my relationship with, you know, weight and fitness and so forth. I don't like feeling like I'm, you know, dwelling on weight like that runs my life. And I think it really can. Um, the book by Kristen Higgins that I read at the in last July or maybe I read it in August, but um, it was called Good Luck With That. And was ju it's just a brilliant novel. I really loved it and says so much about how much uh, weight haunts women's lives. And the characters were, you know, talking about how, how they've put off so many things. You know, well, I'll do that when I've lost weight. And it, it made me realize how often I had thought those very things in my life. At the same time, I am also in my early 50s and feeling like, you know, at this point, it's a pretty constant, I don't want to call it a battle, but a constant effort to maintain muscle mass and elasticity, which directly relates to, you know, brain sharpness. One of my readers, listeners, uh, Mary P.M., sent me an article link yesterday, and that was a fascinating article uh, at medium.com. And I can post the link in the, in the blog details there. Po I'm sorry, podcast details there. But it was about uh, menopause and Alzheimer's and why more women have Alzheimer's than men and the effects of hormones and our bodies on our brains. And there was a lot of very interesting stuff in there. I mean, it wasn't a total surprise because I knew it, but a lot of the information in there, she did this interview with a doctor working on this, a lot of this information had been really established in the last couple of years. And it was really just, um, you know, how you know things, but then something can be really eye-opening. And that was really eye-opening. So I do, it is somewhat long, but I really do recommend reading it. It's very well done and, and very interesting. But the, the TLDR is that women probably start experiencing the effects, or let's see, I'm trying to think of the right way to phrase this, that women start the initial symptoms, the initial stages of Alzheimer's around the age of 50 when they go through menopause. It just is a much, much slower process than it is with men. But men don't start it until they're like 70 or 80, and then it goes faster. 
And they said that one of the reasons that this hasn't been noticed is because women always do better on cognitive studies than men do. So the decline in cognitive ability when compared across both genders isn't noticeable, but it's only if it's noticeable for a woman or within women compared to other women or against that woman's baseline. So, you know, basically they were finding that with the changes in hormones at menopause that a woman's brain begins to change and that they're, you know, the loss of memory and finding words and all of these things uh, is, is a very real effect and that it continues to sort of slowly decline through a woman's later years. And ways to fight this were nutrition, nutrition and exercise. So I felt like I ticked all of the boxes except for the drinking one. And I can't tell on that one because uh, the doctor said that she advises against drinking. But she said that also that she doesn't like to drink, that she's never liked it and so never really has. And she said, you know, just have a glass of pomegranate juice or cherry juice instead. Which always makes me roll my eyes because the people who don't like to drink actually think that that's a viable alternative. They're just like, oh, you know, just drink juice. You don't need to drink wine. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but you think that because you don't like wine. You know, it's like, I love wine. I love wine. I think it's like telling somebody, um, you know, that you don't need to drink Earl Grey tea, that you could just have this. Uh, brown water instead, and it's just as refreshing. <laughs> she did say she came out against caffeine, and that surprised me. Um, I'm not sure from the neurological studies I've seen. I'm not sure that that's a hundred percent. And she didn't say anything very strongly on it. I think that well, a huge factor was stress. You know, stress and anxiety, and I think if you're really hopped up on caffeine all the time, I could see that that would be a major problem. Uh, but, I mean, I can always go no caffeine. I'm going to reserve judgment on that one. Pay attention. But all that other stuff, antioxidants, fish oils, maintaining muscle mass, uh, reducing stress, going to do all of those things. So other things I started out talking about, I think I've pretty much stayed on brand. There was significantly more cat wrangling <laughs> over time than I anticipated. Now that Jackson's getting a little bit, even a year's difference, he's um, not as enthusiastic about getting out and running around. He's a little bit snoozier. He is seven now. Is that right? Yeah, I think he's seven. So he's... Uh, the difference a year makes. He's not quite my restless boy that he was, and he's inside snoozing right now. And I said I would talk about books and movies, and I've done that. I ended up being considerably more transparent about the writing process than I originally intended. Mostly I'd been thinking back to uh, Neil Gaiman when he first started blogging and his going back and forth on whether he should blog and he felt like he shouldn't while he was drafting because 
the process of writing is so much up and down, you know, because you have one day where you're like, oh, this is glorious. And then the, the next day you're like, oh, no, I was wrong. This is utter shit. And he felt like that would not be good for blogging. And I kind of had some of the same thoughts with podcasting that I didn't necessarily want to share all of my down days. I'm not a believer in sharing down stuff on social media because social media, I think, is meant to be entertaining and not uh, grittily honest. And I know people disagree with that, you know, that it's like the, uh, the grooming of our social media feeds creates a wrong impression of our lives for other people. But we are creating an impression. It's not, I, I don't want to see everybody's guts. <laughs> you know, you, I don't think that if you need emotional support, social media is not the place to look for it. So, I ended up being more honest, though, because I got feedback from various people that they liked hearing that even someone like me, who is a career author and is pretty productive, I am probably on the upper end of the spectrum as far as being able to write fast and write regularly. I'm pretty disciplined about it. There are certainly people who are, you know, do much more than I do. But I, I don't know. I don't quite trust the stuff that they say. I kind of wonder if they don't do that in bursts because they, they really shout about it, you know, like, I'm writing 10,000 words a day. And, you know, but then, you know, I don't hear them doing it consistently. I'd be interested to know if anybody else is really reporting on sort of their daily writing up and downs like this. It would be an interesting comparison. So I know that I am more on the productive end, but I did have a couple of people comment that they really like to hear that even I have my tooth pulling days, that I have the days where it doesn't go well and the days where I'm kind of in a brain fog and trying to, it's not that kind of, it's not an Alzheimer's brain fog. Now, see, now we'll all read this article and be terrified, right? Um, now I can tell the difference. It, it, it definitely feels uh, like a different thing. It's a, the book brain is a very pronounced syndrome. It's almost like uh, you're sort of seeing overlapping realities and it's hard to focus on the reality that everyone else is a part of as opposed to the book reality. Yeah, but I, uh, I think it's good to share that, you know, even though I can pretty consistently write three to 4,000 words a day, and I know for those of you who are like, Jeffy, you said you weren't going to do more than three. I can do four for shorter periods of time, especially if I know that I'm going to be taking time off. So I'm, I'm doing that. I'm balancing that. I've been balancing changing the days around. I took yesterday off since it was 4th of July, and it was a really nice day. We didn't do a whole lot, but I did some gardening and hung out and read in the grape barber, and then Megan Mulry and Fabulous Charlie came over around 3, and we drank Brut Rosé in the arbor. And then we had to move to the front porch when the arbor got a little too hot because the sun starts, the arbor faces west, and the sun starts to come down. And then they went on, and David and I watched a movie. We watched um, Plus One, 
was a comedy on Amazon. And that was great. I really enjoyed that. That's a good romantic comedy because the two characters actually had to change. Uh, they had to kind of grow up and figure out wh who they were and what they wanted out of life and give up some ideas of the perfection of finding the one. The friends were all, there was this wide variety of friends. Basic, the premise is, is that these this guy and gal who have been friends since college uh, are at a wedding together and end up hanging out together because they're both their stag. And it's, it's that, I think we all go through this phase. Um, it must be later now because for me it was in my like early 20s, like around 22 to 24. And I think they are both about turning 30 but it's that time when all of their friends are getting married. It's like all of a sudden everybody's alarms go off and they all get married. And so between the two of them, they have something like 10 or 11 weddings that summer. And they agree to be each other's plus ones for, for all these different weddings. So they'll at least have fun. And I remember that time very well in <laughs> my early 20s when everybody was getting married. And it really is a funny time. Uh, this movie is good because one of the weddings is actually his father's third wedding. So I thought that that was a nice, nice dose. It was a very real movie in many ways. I thought they didn't shy away from stuff and the characters felt very uh, realistic in many ways. And there was a very nice array of diversity. And it was witty. And by the end, they both had to kind of give up some, I don't know, I don't want to say childish ideas so much, but maybe some of that youthful idealism and look at what being in love really meant. It was also super fun to see just the different weddings. They did a great job of, they had the gamut of weddings. They had the Hawaii destination wedding, there was like the the family wedding in the family home. There was the this one just really got me with how perfectly it was done. There was the the hotel wedding, you know, like in the hotel ballroom. And there's a point at which the guys are standing outside the hotel ballroom, sort of like in that hallway, the ever present, uh, totally neutral hallway that could have been any hotel and you can hear the music from inside you know basically just the booming of the of the bass you know, boom 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 and it sounded like every hotel wedding i had ever been to in my entire life and it was just really wonderful and it's it was a funny movie i thought was well done uh, i didn't really i didn't get the whole romance tingle from it and those of you who love romance will know what I mean. But I was okay with that. Because in some ways, this wasn't entirely about the romance tingle, for all that it's a romantic comedy. And does have a happy ever after, of course. So, let's see. I've talked about those things. Oh, the other thing that I'm doing, I'm trying to revisit all the things I'm supposed to be doing on Jeffy's First Cup of Coffee. Uh, I've been reading Martha Wells' Murder Bot Diaries. And they are just fascinating. I started with the second novella, An Artificial Condition, and then went back and read the first one, 
all systems red. And now I'm on the third one, which is like a rogue something. I think that's right. And I'm, I'm definitely going to go read the fourth one. And it's told from the perspective of an AI who's part human flesh, part robot, built for security. It's supposed to be not thoughtful, but things have changed in the story. And, and it's kind of gaining humanity as the stories go on. And I've never thought, and it thinks of itself as a murder bot. That's sort of its private name for itself because it, that's what it's designed for is to kill things. But it, there's a lot more depth to its personality and there's just wonderful ideas. I would not have predicted this is something I would like. And I, I guess I could say, I don't think there are rules against this. I, I picked up the second one, An Artificial Condition, because I was reading it for the Hugo Awards. And so I was doing a comparison of all the different novellas, at least starting them, because we get them all free in the voter packet. So I was trying to read that. And uh, I really expected that I would pick it up and put it down after a couple of pages, and then I loved it. So that's one of the great things about awards reading, is you end up reading stuff that you wouldn't have thought you would like, and then you end up loving it. So, there's a metaphor there somewhere. So today's probably my last day of working on the new Shiny. I'm going to go get to work on that. I only have a little bit to go to get to the point that uh, Agent Sarah had asked for. So I'm going to do that, work on the synopsis, and get that sent off. So... I hope you all have a wonderful Friday. You're probably all off camping, so you may be listening to this later. I, if so, I hope you had a great long weekend in the U.S. and that it's nice and quiet where you are elsewhere in the world because everyone in the U.S. is off camping. <laughs> and I will talk to you on Monday. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>